0: I'm frightened. There's no ability to deny it, and there's no sense to do so either. I don't know how long I spent in the bunker. I don't know how I could have possibly heard George above me, when I know with certainty that I followed him down. I don't know what could have been growling at me calling from some long forgotten abyss. I am calling from Elm Lake. Sunlight feels glaring right now. It shines down, but it seems harsher. Less welcoming than it did in the past few days. Or is it weeks? I've lost track of time, that nagging fear pricking at the back of my brain with all of my actions. Lorraine Powell vanishing. George Mooney somehow being both behind and in front of me. A light that wasn't a light, disconnected from any obvious source, but illuminating just enough the path ahead, no matter which direction I turned. And then there's the growl. The deep, guttural growl coming up from the earth itself. It shook me to my core and made me want to run faster than I've ever run before, getting away from the bunker and forgetting it was ever discovered. It also drew me deeper, making me wish that I wasn't alone in that moment, that I was able to further explore, to adventure. I've been taught for as long as I can remember that it's dangerous to go alone. But alone is exactly how I wanted to venture in. Something was beckoning at the same time as it was pushing away. And I was torn. It was the thought of Amelia Ashford and Jenny Fowler that pulled me out of the bunker itself. George standing patiently, if somewhat concerned in the open doorway flashlight in hand, looking at me with curiosity and no small amount of fear. I could hear him ask about Lorraine, and I simply shook my head. His voice didn't really register, because it couldn't cut through the questions I had about Amelia. I knew I had to find her, and somehow I knew that she would help us find whatever happened to Lorraine that was days ago or weeks or months I have scoured Elm Lake and I have seen no glimpses of Amelia Ashford nor of Jenny Fowler in fact much of the town seems to have locked themselves inside. I've seen Angus Thorpe peering out his windows, axe in hand. I've caught a peek inside the Marone house as the twins forgot to close the curtains on one of my walks. Arthur was frantically repainting a wall, appearing to try to cover some sort of lingering stain. Angela was busy in the kitchen, assorted baked goods stacked onto overflowing plates with more on the way. They seemed lost in their own world until the curtain was dramatically closed and I saw no more. Jorge Sanchez isn't taking visitors. Bill and Rebecca Fowler will sometimes step outside, push a rocking chair on their porch for a few moments, and then walk back in, seemingly shaken. I haven't even seen any trace of Jenny through this entire time, but she is so prone to her wanderings. I'm not as concerned as I probably should be. Jenny is still the enigma in my mind. So for some reason, not seeing her feel somehow Right. The only people I have seen regularly since the bunker opened are George, stationing himself outside of the bunker with hopes that some trace of Lorraine's will present itself and Marcus Grant. Marcus has been out in the streets almost daily. Sometimes whistling to himself, sometimes simply smiling. It's odd, but he seems almost at ease, as though something has been put to right. It's good to see him comfortable, which he hasn't been in so long. I want to ask him about what's been happening, but he's always just far enough away that I would have to shout to be heard. There may not be many people on the streets of Elm Lake recently, but I have to keep a sense of decorum about me. Shouting hasn't solved any problems yet. I'm sure I'll be able to talk to Marcus before long.
1: I never thought I'd say this, but... I miss the bunker. I miss the comfort of those sterile surroundings. I'm somewhere else, and I don't know how I got here. I mean, I know that this girl to my side brought me, but I don't know the exact path. Her name is Jenny. Yes, that was it. There's something off about her, something I can't describe. She seems to be outside of Elm Lake, which is impossible, right? I mean, we're here, we're within Elm Lake. We have to be. We're in a diner, at least I think it's a diner. There's someone behind the counter who looks like Lorraine, but isn't Lorraine. Jenny seems disturbed that Lorraine is here, but won't explain why. We haven't been here long, or at least I don't think we have. Time seems to be acting strangely here. I haven't seen the sun set through the windows, and I've only felt the need to eat breakfast once, dinner three times, and lunch never. I haven't slept, but I'm not tired. I should be so tired because I didn't sleep in the bunker either. Jenny looks tired. She has eaten four breakfasts, one lunch, two dinners, and indulged in a half slice of pie. This doesn't help me figure out how long we've been here because, again, time isn't working right. The the Lorraine that isn't Lorraine behind the counter either won't or can't speak, and her movements seem almost mechanical. But she's human enough. I saw her cut her finger when dicing onions for one of our dinners, and the red that welled up convinced me she's human. Maybe she's just tired, not being able to take a break from food preparation with stubborn inconsistence of the sun to remain in the sky. We have seen Marcus Grant come into the diner a few times. The first couple, he tried to tell us how long it had been since he'd been back, but those numbers didn't make sense. I told him that, and he just grinned at me. It was unsettling. The last time he came in, he didn't even acknowledge us, simply looked at Lorraine and nodded his head. She nodded back, produced a breakfast sandwich, and he left. He didn't even take the sandwich. I looked at Jenny, wondering if I should have a second breakfast, and she simply, hollowly, shook her head no. I wish I was tired, I wish I could sleep, or maybe I am sleeping, and this is all just a strange dream. That would explain the growling noise I keep hearing.
2: This isn't the nest. It is, but it isn't. Everything is just slightly wrong. It's as though it's all been shifted three feet off of center, but not in the same direction. Much of it moved west, but not all of it. Some of it went east, some went north, and a few troubling things went south. I'm thankful for Anthony's mobile recording device to at least capture these thoughts. I don't know how I know the cardinal directions in which all of these things moved. I don't know why so much of it flowed along those four compass points, and I don't know why when I see Marcus, the man who once joined me in a long-missed conversation over breakfast, I am filled with a sense of dread. He also seems slightly wrong, as though parts of him have been shifted too. The kindness that was there before is missing. There's a confidence that's replaced confusion, and he walks around this nest as though it's his. Like, he created it somehow. This man, once running a stall in the schoolyard, now has the appearance of someone running this approximation of the nest, and this pseudo-simulation of Elm Lake. At least the growling noise isn't his, as it seems to startle him as much as it startles Amelia. I'm too tired to be startled, but I can't sleep. I've tried and my brain keeps firing synapses. I don't know why Lorraine blurs and stutters. I don't know why Amelia and I can't seem to eat on the same schedule or the same frequency. I don't know why the sun is still blaring down when I know we should have seen night a number of times by now. The when is all wrong and my brain is trying to work it like a puzzle. Except I don't have the key. I don't have the answers. And try as I might, I can't leave the nest and get help from anyone outside. I don't even know if there still is anyone outside. Whatever is growling could have taken them all.
3: I visit them, of course I do. I want to make sure they're safe. As safe as they can be in this place. I want them to escape the changes going on. I hope that they can see Lorraine and know what might be waiting on the other side. I will get the rest, I'm sure of it. I must. Why else was I able to find my way here again, and can always return without fail? I see their fear or concern, but I can't reassure them. It isn't time now, no. It won't be time until after I've connected all those loose threads and tightened. The knot.
0: I keep walking through Elm Lake, hoping to find some sort of a glimpse of the familiarity that I've been striving for, a familiarity that got shaken by the appearance of Jenny Fowler. But was it truly familiar, or was it a lack of awareness? Maybe this town was always troubled, and maybe I just didn't notice. If I didn't notice, though, why did I feel the need to begin to broadcast these messages? Why am I inclined to leave blank spots, comfortable with the knowledge that somehow those blank spaces will be filled with the words of others? I keep coming back to the studio because it is still something of a safe place for me. I thought about grabbing my mobile setup for recording and capturing sounds around town as I wandered, but it's gone. Maybe I never put one together in the first place. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not the most technologically inclined. And maybe I've been misremembering this entire time. In fact, maybe I'm not broadcasting now. Maybe there was never a Jenny Fowler who came back to Elm Lake to cause whatever has been happening. This could all just be an extended fever dream. One where I've created an entirely different reality than what I've ever experienced. That doesn't explain the growl, though. It doesn't answer why I keep seeing George Mooney waiting. It doesn't answer why, after months of being absent, I saw Jonas Tompkins of the Elm Lake Improvisational Quartet asking for a where, waiting for an answer. It doesn't explain why I feel a need to locate this girl who may not exist and why every day that passes feels less like progress and more like simply waiting. Because after all, Elm Lake is waiting. Calling from Elm Lake, Episode 18, Vanished, was written and produced by Sean Monahan. The voice of Elm Lake is Sean Monahan. The voice of Jenny Fowler is Emma Sala. The voice of Marcus Grant is Mick Reina. The voice of Amelia Ashford is Maddie Stewart. Opening and closing themes written and performed by Sean Monahan. All other music written and performed by Matt McInnes. Find out more at machinistmusic.com. Our home on the web is at www.callingfromelmlake.com. You can also find us on both Twitter and Facebook for a little social media strangeness. If you're looking for visuals to help round out the world of Elm Lake, you can find us on TikTok.
3: And if you're enjoying
0: what you're hearing, please leave a rating and review on whichever podcasting app you found our feed doing so could help bring new listeners to the call of Elm Lake. If you'd like to support us as we unfold this story, add new voices, and just generally continue to explore this particular creative process, you can do so at www.patreon.com slash calling from Lake. Your support will help us continue to grow and expand on the story, and hopefully be able to add even more content within the universe of Elm Lake. Not everything that vanishes is truly gone. A great amount of it lingers on in echoes and memories. And some can be found in the places you would least expect.